Hi there. I'm Robert Hurst, and I welcome you to Safe Zone, the place where we share ideas, actions, and practical tips to help you make your church or house of worship a safe place together. This is podcast number five, so let's get rolling. Today, I want to step away from any physical hands-on discussion about church safety and start by asking you a simple three-word question. What's your why? Uh, This question was first posed to me some, uh, I guess, 30 years ago. I was in the process of driving a national speaker who had spoken at an event back to the airport for his return trip home, and we'd gone through the normal get-to-know-you pleasantries and niceties on the first part of the trip. Then suddenly the conversation took a very radical turn when he asked this very same simple question. Bob, what's your why? Now, in the context of our discussion, he was asking me about what motivated me in life. In other words, he now, from our previous talk over the last part of the ride, knew who I was, knew about my kids, my family, my business, uh, whatever I was involved in, in the church and in the community. But now he wanted to ask something different. What he wanted to know was, why? Why did I pursue the various paths that I was on? Now, his question was meant to challenge me to evaluate if my motives were in line with biblical principles and guidance. I mean, he wasn't being pushy. He wasn't being overbearing. It was a very simple question. And it asked, was I about the business of life in a way that was honoring to God, or was I simply going through some regular busy motions because they seemed like the right thing to do at the moment, or it was something everyone told me I needed to do? What was my why? So today, I want to turn this around, and I want to pose the same question to you, because I've discovered it's a question that can cause a person to more closely analyze their motivation for anything. It could be a life mission. It could be your job targets and goals in your business, or even working to create a security or safety team for your church or house of worship. So what is your why? Here's why I ask this. Over the past 10 years, as I've worked with churches, I've observed church members who start off just really strong when they start to organize their church safety and security teams, and they recruit volunteers, and what they really want is to create a safe and secure environment at church. However, as time passes on, barring some series of catastrophic events or Um, big events within the church, things begin to get a little bit boring, and volunteers and even some leaders begin to lose interest. Yeah, no criminals have been identified and captured, no dragons slain on the field of combat. There's no adrenaline rush to keep people excited, no dopamine hit to the brain for all these great things that we've done. And for those who are not careful, that initial desire and drive begins to wane for participants to the point of quitting. Now, if this is the case for some of your team, or maybe even for you as you're listening, perhaps you need to reevaluate your why. Let me give you a little bit more perspective on this so maybe you'll kind of understand. I've spent way too many decades in law enforcement where, and I'm putting this in air quotation marks, action is expected. But you know, in police work, there is a saying that law enforcement work is about 95% boredom and about 5% pure adrenaline and terror. 
And to be honest with you, that's a pretty close statistic. I mean, I probably would substitute the word boredom with 95% paperwork and boredom. But if that overall statistic is true for law enforcement, then I offer to you that for the church equivalent, it would probably be closer to 99.9999% pure boredom, followed by maybe 0.0001% pure adrenaline. And to be honest, if you're fortunate, you will never see that 0.0001% event occur at your church. Recently, I took the time to research just one Sunday on which a horrific mass murder event took place in my state of Texas. I discovered an interesting fact. Now, let me give you the methodology. First, I used Google to search for the total number of churches and houses of worship potentially meeting in worship on that one particular Sunday across the entire United States. To be fair, I included every denomination or faith in that search because I wanted to glean a maximum number of potential targets that a mass murderer might choose from. Now, after finding what appeared to be a reasonable total range, I chose to narrow that even somewhat by intentionally choosing the lower end of that range. In other words, Google will give back, as you well know, various searches that will give you low numbers, high numbers, etc. So I intentionally took the smaller number in the bottom range that that Google search returned. Now, after that, it was just a matter of simple math to help me determine what the odds were that any one particular church could have experienced that horrible tragedy that Sunday. And the probability of one church being targeted on a particular Sunday morning was 0.00005%, or five one hundred thousandths percent. Now, that's a pretty small probability, you got to admit. Now, for that particular church, or if it had been any other church, it was the most horrible day imaginable, and it would be that for anyone. But that's not the point of this statistical analysis. What I wanted to show was that, statistically speaking, you and your church had a much greater chance on that one particular Sunday morning or any particular Sunday morning of maybe having one of your church attenders suddenly experience a heart attack or maybe a stroke during worship time or during the time the church was meeting. You had a greater chance of having a child molested in your children's area. You had a greater chance of having a visitor slip and fall and maybe break an arm or a hip somewhere on your church property. You even had a greater potential probability of having a major traffic accident occur out in front of your house of worship with injuries. And I know we're all working so hard to build these security and safety teams, but have you ever identified a medical team that was ready or could be ready to help if any of these events occur, these events that have a statistically higher probability? Now, what does this statistic mean for church safety and security programs in the long run? Well, it has to do with the perspectives and the why of teams. And that perspective is crucial to the survival of your safety team because it all goes back to the basic motivation, the why. I mean, let's face it. A follower of Christ is or should be driven by two things in life. Number one is the desire to serve the Lord. And the second is the desire to serve others. Now, I freely understand other faiths may have similar beliefs that do not follow exactly the words I just said, but I am speaking 
from what I know as a follower of Christ. I honor that others may, and I'll acknowledge that others may have a parallel but different way of approaching it, but the bottom line is it's about service. But you know what? Adrenaline, or at least the expectation of adrenaline, serves as a powerful motivator. And often it motivates more than our desire and vision to serve others. So it should be easy to see that then, given this other statistic, the statistics show that the probability of something that just spikes the adrenaline and just puts you into action mode is probably not going to happen. Then that can bring about boredom and it can bring about disinterest and all of that can quickly develop if there's not, you know, the occasional action. So you maybe can begin to see now why your why can help or hurt the longevity of your team. And that's why we've got to evaluate it carefully. The only why with staying power is, ultimately, ministry. Specifically, any church security and safety team worth its salt should be consumed by one thought. When somebody encounters me today as they come onto these grounds, what kind of Christ will they see when they are in my presence and the way I present myself to them? Now, if your team is effectively organized, it truly is going to be the first encounter for each person entering the church, whether it's out on the parking lot or whether it is as they come through the door, because that's the way we should be on the front line. We are the we are the sheepdogs out there on the edge of the flock. We should be looking, uh, enjoying the flock, but it, looking for that wolf who may try to come onto the property. But you know what? Each person should encounter a Christian who is friendly, loving, and caring. Now, don't miss something here. This does not negate the team's responsibility to quietly and quickly assess people. And by the way, we've got a a blog and a podcast coming on that on down the line about predictive profiling and how we can assess people quickly about the situations that they present themselves in. And then, of course, the environments. But what it does do, if anything, it offers the team an opportunity to engage personally, offering even a closer look to a well-trained team member. Let me tell you, I even know of one church who eventually changed the name of their team from security team and began to call it the first impressions team because they wanted to drive home the point that they would provide the first impression for anyone visiting and they wanted it to be the best first impression. What was interesting was that the feedback after the change occurred indicated that the team members themselves, their attitudes, forget everybody else that they were coming into contact with, just the team members' attitudes shifted uh, dramatically in their focus. You know, some of them had gotten uh, into the habit of kind of leaning quietly against the wall in the entry area or somewhere in the church, wherever they were assigned, just kind of watching, kind of like they're the eagles or the vultures, I like to say, sitting on the edge. But instead of that, being in the background, they began to reach out, make that contact, smile, shake hands, give a great greeting for those that were coming onto the campus. And you know what? They did all of this without losing their edge for safety. Because what they found was it was easier, uh, an environment where they could more quickly spot potential issues by engaging with the people that really they were there to protect. Yeah, now let's be honest. Over the next several months, this particular team did lose a few members but they found that their primary focus had been to kind of look for trouble. They wanted that adrenaline rush. They wanted to be where the action was. They wanted to do everything, but not necessarily to minister. Flip that same team coin over, so to speak, and by replacing those few team members who dropped out, 
the team gained a greater number who recognized the value of this ministry, loving first and observing in readiness. In that area, that church now has a reputation as one of the friendliest churches, and it all started with their first impressions team. I offer to you that they're also one of the most secure churches around all. So I pose the question to you once again, what is your why? Are you interested in creating or participating in a church safety and security team primarily for the adrenaline rush? Or are you a part of that team because you recognize that a friendly greeting and a caring conversation may be the best thing that happens to a person when they first enter your church or house of worship? Now, yes, you're definitely there to protect and defend if the need arises, but now you're doing it from the front lines, right out there where the people are, that first contact. Now, as one who has been there from the law enforcement side, in EMS, even on our SWAT team, let me assure you that adrenaline is awesome, but it only lasts for a short time. Eventually, it wears off, and frankly, it only intensifies the boredom on the other side as you return to what you consider to be mundane. Caring ministry, though, can create a lasting impact, potentially opening that special moment in a person's life that can have an eternal impact. So every person on your team needs to identify their why. Why am I here? Only one of the answers has staying power and lasting impact. So what's your why? I'd love to hear what it is and let you share with others. So go to the comments section in our podcast or go online to our website at www.safetoworship.com. That's S-A-F-E-T-O worship.com. And let us know. What's your why? Have a great week. That's all for this episode of Safe Zone. Take what you learned here and help bring your newfound peace of mind to others by making your church a safer place to worship. I do need you to take two actions right now. First, hit the subscribe button in your podcast provider, whether it was iTunes, Spotify, or whatever, to subscribe to our podcast. That way you won't miss a single episode of Safe Zone. Secondly, text or share our podcast link with others in your circle of influence today. Hey, we're all in this together. Let's work together. God bless. Have a great week and be safe. That's it for this episode of Safe Zone. Take what you learned here now and go help bring your newfound peace of mind to others by making your church a safer place to worship. I do need you to take two actions right now. First, hit the subscribe button in your podcast provider where you got this podcast and subscribe to our podcast. That way you won't miss a single episode of Safe Zone. Secondly, text or share via email our podcast link with others that are in your circle of influence today, right now. Hey, we're all in this together. Let's work together and let's make this all happen. God bless. Have a great week. And I'll see you in the next episode of Safe Zone. Be safe.